Welcome to Is Your Way In Your Way podcast. And I am your host, Cassandra Crawley Mayo. And this podcast is for my listeners who are ready to move forward in their lives, overcome obstacles, mitigate those self-imposed and even exterior barriers so that they can live their best life on your terms. We explore topics that relate to personal and business development and self-improvement. And so today our topic is going to be about imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, many of you have heard that term and many of you may may not be really clear on what that term means or like it's actually started back in the 70s and it was called like an imposter phenomena. And imposter syndrome, now it's called imposter syndrome. And the imposter syndrome is actually people that internalize feelings of not being good enough, internalize feelings of being a fraud or don't belong, or even, even despite all those accomplishments that they've made, they still don't feel like they're good enough. And if somebody commends them about something they've done, their feelings would be, hmm, they just said that, or either that was just luck that, that it turned out like that. So in other words, just the confidence that they had that they were able to contribute is just not there. So my question to you is, who has experienced or either been been affected by imposter syndrome? And if you have, do you know the effect that it had on you? Well, I have two examples that I'd like to share. One in particular was uh, when I was in corporate America, I was in a lot of meetings. We had so many meetings, but this is actually when I started working there. It was pretty, pretty new to my position. And during a meeting, you know, everyone in a meeting, you have your agenda, you have your, you know, opinions and thoughts that you have about certain topics that are being discussed. And I remember raising my hand because I had a point of view that I wanted to share. And when I did share that, everybody looked at me like, what is she talking about? And then I looked at them like, why are you all looking at me like that? I didn't say that, but that's just the look that I had. And and they didn't even acknowledge that I had said anything in the meeting. And I actually felt like, well, maybe I shouldn't be here or I don't think I belong. You know, I had these doubts about myself. I even doubted what I said even made sense, you know, and I was like, "Mm." so, you know, the effect that had on me out of we had so many meetings, I was reluctant to even say anything in a meeting because it was fear of, fear of me having this feeling of not belonging. And whatever I said, it's like I didn't even have a voice. Another incident occurred, and I'm going to call it gaslighting. And some of you may have heard of gaslighting, and perhaps some of you have not. But I remember when I started another position, I was promoted to a different position, And I was called into the office by the senior vice president of this division. And he told me to come in, um, have a seat. And he shared with me that my colleagues had mentioned that we had all gone to visit a client. And while in the office of the client that I was so embarrassing to them, I asked all these questions, these silly questions, and they just didn't believe that I was fit 
for the job because the majority of my job was to interact and engage with our clients. And these clients, what I would call C-level clients, you know, the, the in the suites, like the CEO and the COO and the CMO, you know, all of those C-levels. And they shared that with him. And then when he shared that with me, I just looked at him. I was actually devastated that my colleagues would even say that and me being relatively new in my role. And I was just, oh my gosh, I, I can feel the feelings now that I just felt like I really don't belong here. And and what I called, they were gaslighting me because it was like a control, like a psychological manipulation of me. You know, so what that meant is that's what they felt. And I started feeling ashamed about what they said about me and thought maybe I was asking crazy questions. And rather than the senior vice president just maybe having a conversation with the client to get their perspective on it, he didn't do that. He just took their words on it, on, on that. So I just call that like um, the abuser trying to control a victim. You know, here I am. I was just duped by my colleagues. Um, but in the, so this is the thing. When he shared that with me, I asked, could I be dismissed? And I actually wanted to go home because he indicated not only was I embarrassing, but he thought that I should go back to the industry that I was in before because he felt I was better suited for that. And I asked him, like I said, could I be um, excused? Uh, let me think about it. Came back the next day and my decision was, no, I'm going to try. I'm not going back to that division, uh, that industry. I think I'm going to be okay. So I spoke up and was clear once I got myself together because I was just devastated over the news that they, you know, that they would call me out on that. Now, anyway, those were my, a couple of my examples. So sometimes, you know, when I talk about imposter syndrome, it's not a steady thing. You can be in and out of that at times. You know, you could be smooth sailing and then a month or six months later, something occurs and you start feeling like an imposter syndrome. Now, I would like to talk about um, who does imposter syndrome affects? It actually affects everybody at one point in time in their lives. But statistics and research are indicating that it happens more in with women. 75% of higher achieving women do not internalize their, their accomplishments. Uh, it happens less in men, but men do have imposter syndrome sometimes. And I want to share with you people who are popular that everyone knows who has experienced and has been affected by imposter syndrome. One is Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks was, he played in Forrest Gump. I think many of you have seen that. Uh, he played in Big, so he was a movie star. And then you have Sheryl Sandberg. Sheryl Sandberg was like the, she was the COO of Facebook. And she experienced imposter syndrome. And then Howard Schultz. Howard Schultz was the CEO of um, Starbucks. And now he is the interim CEO, but he's even experienced imposter syndrome. And I just wanted to share that with you so you would be able to tell that a whole lot of people, the rich, the famous, the not so famous, all, we've all experienced it. However, it's something that can come and it can go. And also Lady Gaga has experienced or have been affected by imposter syndrome at times in her life. Now let's talk about where 
well, when did it start? Like when, when did this imposter syndrome start? Well, it actually started when we were growing up, little boys, little girls, because um, we were raised differently. For example, if boys were to clean up their rooms or, you know, growing up or um, put their clothes away, they are validated by that. You know, they're validated and the parents are like, oh, wow, so-and-so cleaned up his room. We are so proud of you, son. Also, boys are more aggressive and growing up, they like, um, they're very competitive and they will try their hardest to outrace. In other words, their playing field is to win. Their playing field is to be extremely, extremely um, competitive. They are encouraged to test their limits. Okay. So they just have a ball that who can swim the fastest. And as, as little girls, we didn't get validated. We were expected to clean our rooms, or if we did, it was an expectation. So we didn't get that that validation that that the boys got. Also, we would also was told we should be quiet, non-disruptive, and do not challenge the status quo. <laughs> uh, so, in other words, we would hold ourselves to some impossible standards that increased the pressure that we had because we weren't praised a lot. And so therefore, because we did not get praised a lot, we just um, we just had those expectations that were very high. We, we raised the bar on ourselves. And so therefore, sometimes we could never feel good enough because we kept raising it and raising it and raising it because we were expected to do so many things. Now, let me talk about, in other words, all of that is our beliefs as we were growing up. And that's why it's very significant to understand how you grew up, what your childhood was like, because it plays a significant role in who we are today. Now, where does this imposter syndrome happen? Well, it happens in jobs, particularly a new job, perhaps. Or it could happen if you've been in a job for a while and you have a uh, new bosses to come in, then that could, that could happen there. It happens in different organizations. It can even happen in the education field and schools. Although imposter syndrome is an individual um, thing or characteristic or whatever, but I see it as it can also be systemic. And I mean like an imposter culture. And an imposter culture is like you go into a, an environment, a work environment, and their culture may be, we work long hours here. And I remember in my corporate arena, I never, ever worked 40 hours. 50 hours was it, and sometimes even more, and I'm embarrassed to say because, of, of course, I got burned out, but that was the culture. You can go in an environment where, you know, everyone... Let me talk about for the men, for example, you know, they'll have a meeting somewhere. And then after the meeting, they'll all go play golf. Maybe as women, we don't play golf. Some of us do. Absolutely. But then there's some that do not. And they care not to really go there because that's not what they do. And so with that, it's like, well, maybe we're not good enough to be in this organization or, um, you know, maybe they'll find out we're a fraud if we go. We'll try to play, but then we'll be embarrassed. So we're not going to go out there and, and play that game. Or then there are opportunities where after a meeting, you go out to eat, you go out and eat, and then everyone drinks and you're not a drinker. So therefore, you feel like you're not a part. And that's what I mean by the imposter culture. 
because as women, we are, well, it's like we're not heard. We may be seen. We may be the ones that bring the coffee, make the coffee in the morning. Um, the conversations at work lack a lot of inclusion. We're not involved in the conversations, microaggressions, like small acts of exclusion perhaps can occur. Um, and so as a result of that, women are assessed on their performance as men are more assessed on their potential. And also as a little girl, we were, our playing field was relationships. You know, we like to build and, and have relationships and we do feel the same way um, in, in corporate or whatever organization we're in. And there may be an opportunity. If you don't know anyone, you can't build a relationship. You don't trust anybody because you haven't had the opportunity to really get to know them. Then that can impact uh, those relationships. Now, I'm going to talk about why imposter syndrome is a problem. It's a problem because you can't be your authentic self. You just can't be you. You can't be as productive because you're so busy having this fear that you're not good enough and whatever you do, it's not the right thing. It's not perfect. And as you can continue to strive and be that, you just burn out. You know, you're striving for perfection. Nobody's perfect anyway, but you just want to. And then you start diminishing your self-worth. And it also, um, it's, you, you have like quality employees. I mean, really great quality employees, but yet they quit because they, they're feeling uncomfortable. And there is a, there's just, to me, it's a missed opportunity for individuals by the way that perhaps they are made to feel in regards to the systemic that I talked about, about the imposter culture. Um, the, the professional development is stalled. They have this anxiety and, and, and feel isolated and alienated. Um, you know, so like now that's why it's not good. And like I said, it's not a constant thing, but if you're in and out of it, in and out of it, it can impact your workflow. It can impact your productivity. Now, so I'd like to talk about how do we overcome it? How do we overcome it? Self-compassion. Okay, we need to think about perhaps what have we done? What accomplishments have we made? Why don't we list five accomplishments that we've made so that we'll know that we are worthy? We we are um, we we don't diminish ourselves. We have made a positive impact. Just think about individuals or or coworkers or someone that you've helped get promoted or, or things of that nature and. It's just that, you know, you have to remember, you have to go back on those things, even seek mentorship of somebody in the organization uh, and look for improvement and step, and they will look for your improvement and tell you some, be honest with you. In other words, somebody that will be able to do that. Also, be intentional. First of all, you have to be aware what's going on in your head when you start feeling like you aren't worthy enough, when you're feeling like I'm not good enough. What triggered that? Think about what triggered that and acknowledge it and become aware of it. And then I always say we must be intentional about what we are there for. You know, for example, I'll use myself again. Um, my intention is to empower 
you to live your best life on your terms. If I focus on my purpose, my intention for being there, it's not so much my ability. That intention, if I'm just clear, tuned in on what it is that I want to accomplish while I'm there, that imposter syndrome perhaps will just dissipate for a while. Talk to other women about, you know, how you're feeling, because I guarantee you many of them have felt the same way. Find a cheerleader in the organization. And also, like I said, um, be confident on your intent to serve. Why are you there? Why are you in an organization? What made you accept the job? I'm not talking about because I needed a job. I'm hopeful that a lot of people will accept jobs because it's something that they're interested in. Why? Why are you there? If it's service, keep that in the back of your mind and know that. And another thing, try not to avoid, and I'm like this, I'd like to avoid pain and discomfort. Don't do it. Walk in your fear, walk and be uncomfortable because that's going to boost your confidence because it's self-inflicted, it's self-imposed because you're not. And also um, push ourselves to get out of our comfort zone. If we push ourselves to get out of our comfort zone a little bit at a time, we will find that we are even more confident. Give up that perfection you know, give up getting this gold star. We got gold stars and we're in kindergarten. This is the real world. So don't look for gold stars. Okay. So I like to, if, to wrap this up, I want to go through um, the, 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 what imposter syndrome is, you know, when we talked about, I talked about internalize those feelings that you're not good enough. Who, who, who has that, who experiences that a whole lot of us. But 74% of women are the ones that that um, they say that have it more, even though <clears throat> this imposter syndrome happened, started in the 70s, but it was called autophenol. Now it's called imposter syndrome. And also, um, I said 75% of high-achieving women do not internalize their, their um, accomplishments. And I talked about when this happens, when we're growing up, how we're raised. Beliefs, you know, maybe because we were said, don't speak up, don't challenge the status quo. So when we're in an organization and we want to speak up, we probably we not as quick use our voice because of our belief. Also, I talked about where does it take place? It takes place. It can even take place in your home. You know, um, it could take place. I don't know. Maybe you have stepchildren. Or maybe your your um, mother or father married somebody else, and it's just so uncomfortable, and then people start feeling like they don't belong. So it can just happen in different environments. And I also talked about um, in schools, in school educational fields as well. And why it's not good? Because we can't be ourselves. We need to get out of our way in order to do what it is that we're ordained to do. There are a whole lot of things that we want to do, but we don't. We don't because we're afraid. We don't because we can't get out of our comfort zone. We don't because we have these self-imposed barriers thinking that we're not good enough or we're imposters or not recognizing our accomplishments because as little girls, we were like, well, don't brag. You know, don't say this. Let others say it about you. So maybe we're waiting on that. But there are just a lot of things that will hinder us from moving forward and being the living the best life that we could live. 
So that's the end right now for the imposter syndrome. And a lot of people think imposter syndrome, they get imposter syndrome and self-sabotage kind of mixed up. And I'm going to talk about self-sabotage as well, because that's a deeper negative thought and behaviors that prevents you from achieving your goals and aspirations. So that's a deeper thought. This right here is not as deep unless we let it get deep. You know, like I said, it's an in and out. It's not a constant all the time. But just remember, whenever you're feeling like you don't belong or you're not good enough, something triggered it and become aware of that. And then from then be intentional, change that mindset and let's be intentional about why you're there. It's not so much your abilities. Okay. Well, just know that if this podcast has been a blessing or you think it will be of service to someone else, please, please share it. And just, and it's on every Wednesday at one o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. And I will see you next week. Thank you and God bless you.